In today's episode, we dive deep into getting out of your head and into your body, why that's a thing, and my favorite hack to get you started. This happens a lot in the spiritual community, personal growth, uh, that arena where we're so focused on this journey and uh, whatever your name might be for it, um, ascension, evolution, enlightenment. There's this idea that we're like eschewing the physical and embracing the spiritual, right? Meaning not of the body. And yet, as you can probably guess from my podcast name, Wise Body, Ancient Soul, um, is these are not separate things. Our body is our soul physically focused. And because of that, ascension is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, we're not going up and out. We're actually going in, in this next stage of our dynamic evolution. Ready to have a deeper conversation about body and soul, sacred leadership, and our collective evolution? Welcome to the Wise Body Ancient Soul podcast with me, your host, Cherise Sisu. This is where connectedness is. This is where our link to all that is, is it resides in the body, not outside of ourselves. And it's something that, you know, if you follow any channels, wise beings, you know, whatever your favorite flavor is, whether you, you know, listen to Lee Harris and the Z's or uh, Abraham Hicks fan, um, just about any channel that's tapping into this higher source is talking about the importance of um, getting in the body. So how do you know whether you're, you know, in your head and not in your body? Like, first of all, what does that even mean? Have you ever had that experience of kind of like replaying, spinning, uh, thoughts spinning in your head about the events of that day, maybe a conversation that you had, a scenario that you wished had gone differently, and then kind of like spinning it, spinning it, spinning it in your head of like what you could have said, what, how it might've gone down differently, um, you know, reliving the details. Um, you know, it's basically like not being present, either like spinning about something that happened or it could, uh, alternatively be, you know, like something that's to happen in the future, you know, like maybe you're agonizing over a presentation you need to do tomorrow, um, or a job interview next week or, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. And so that kind of like that, that experience of spinning, that is one example of being in the head and not in the body. Right. Um, another might be like, just kind of feeling like you're floating through life uh, a little bit untethered. Right. Um, but very specifically just kind of like moving from distraction to distraction, like just kind of trying to fill the void of the day. I've definitely had multiple periods. Like it's like something that I'm constantly in my own life, um, having to pay attention to and keep an eye out for, because it's one of the ways that my fears or stories expresses itself. 
is keeping me distracted. You know, anytime that you're, um, you know, you have some important thing that you need to do, but instead of doing that thing, you're frittering the time away on 10 other things before you get to that thing. So procrastinating, distractibility, not wanting to be in the earthly here and now. It can look like, you know, it, it can also be like, uh, devaluing the body, like I was talking about in the beginning, this idea that somehow, you know, so many spiritual, or I should say like um, uh, religious paradigms put the body, put the physical on a lower plane than the spiritual, right? So then we've um, integrated, incorporated literally that, those teachings so that we discount the body, right? And I've talked extensively about this in other episodes, but we'll, you know, we'll ignore the body's needs. We'll, we'll delay pleasure or nourishment or relief or what have you, um, because we have more important things to do, you know, um, we have more important things to think about. Um, or it can simply be that sort of like wanting to reject the body altogether. Like I've, you know, heard people go as far as calling it like a meat suit, that their soul is just wearing and they can't wait until they, you know, can just wrap up this lifetime. And not that they're like trying to hurry that along or anything, but like they just want to be back in that disembodied spiritual, you know, oneness with all that is. And that is a really blissful place to be. And, and, and very often we can reach that through like meditation, journeying, different practices right? That in effect, one could think like, take us out of the body. And yet what's the best and easiest way to meditate is to simply track the breath, right? Which requires deep presence in the body. But this sort of this whole idea of like devaluing the body, um, considering it less than itself kind of creates a paradigm where we're not really paying attention to the body or even, you know, if you look at, um, chakras, this is something that came up in the conversation with my friend yesterday of like certain chakras being higher than other chakras. And the vision that I was given some, uh, a couple of years ago around our energy system is that the only reason why it goes from quote unquote lower to higher or first through seventh chakra, um, in our current um, energy system is because of how things translate in the physical here in the 3d world. Like we're this vertical body, right? And, um, and so the easiest for us to wrap our, you know, 3d earthly minds around the idea of energy centers is stacking them one atop the other. And that's also informed by this paradigm, this you know, paradigm that's ending, but these like old paradigms around hierarchy and, you know, everything has to be tiered. And the new paradigm that we're moving into is one of um, more of like circular level playing field, honoring all perspectives, not just the perspectives of a select few, right? When you look the vision, so the vision I was given was that when you look at the energy systems in that paradigm, there's not one that's higher than the other. Like the root chakra is not lower than the crown chakra. That's just our interpretation of that in this vertical two-footed body that walks, you know what I mean? And we think, oh, crown, root, right? When in reality, our soul, the way our energy actually works is more like 
planets revolving around the sun, right? It's not better or worse to be closer or further from the sun. You're just closer or further from the sun, right? And it's not like one planet is better than any other planet, right? Maybe better for human life, <laughs> but but not better or worse in terms of like as planets go, you know, in the great hierarchy of planets. <laughs> I really was shown our energy system as being these, you could think of them as concentric circles, um, or you could think of them as dynamics that ebb and flow around each other. Um, but the bottom line is there is no higher or lower. The root chakra is as important as the throat chakra, as the third eye, as the sacral, as the, you know what I mean? Although that is present in um, learnings about our energy systems, about how the chakras are presented because because of this paradigm that we've been stewing in for the last few thousand years of like, there's got to be something that's better than something else. And um, we have this tendency to apply that hierarchical thinking to our energy centers, and it really couldn't be further from the truth. There is no higher or lower. The body is not lower than spirit. It is spirit. The point of that is, you know, this is why it's so fundamentally important for us to get out of our head, out of that paradigm and back in the body. So what can, uh, what are some of the ways that, you know, being out of your head, like, why does this even matter? What can this look like? So here's some examples, right? I'm just, these are just from my own experience. So, um, it can be, it can look like emotional eating, right? Plowing through an entire family size bag of potato chips, my personal kryptonite because of stress, and unpleasant emotions pressing to the surface. I'm sure no one can relate to emotional eating. <laughs> I am alone on the planet in that. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so that's a great example of not being in the body, right? Because truly being in the body, at some point the body goes, you know, you're not hungry, right? <laughs> you know, um, it can look like taking on a client that you know will be a handful, but you do it because you quote unquote need the money, right? So then the story that's playing in your head is like, ooh, scarcity. If I don't take this client, I don't know if there's going to be another one after them and I got to take the, ah, you know, and again, I'm sure I'm the only person that's ever done that. Not. It's another example of being in the head, being in the belief system versus grounded in the body, paying attention to that, you know, that sort of that warning flag that the body threw of like, you can already tell talking to this person, they're going to need a lot of energy. You know, you can feel it. You can feel it in the initial conversation, but you bypass that intuition because of a belief, right? This is why it's so important to get out of the head and into the body. Because when, when we ground first, when we get in the body before we make those decisions, right? That's when things can get really powerful and we can give ourselves that space to take right action. That's not driven by a story or a belief or a fear uh, or a paradigm, but that comes from our own inner knowing, our own internal guidance. This can also look like, and I alluded to this earlier, it can, it can look like 
sitting in meditation or prayer for hours, and then staying in inaction while waiting for an answer or solution to be delivered to you. Don't get defensive. (laughs) This is me too. If you're feeling called out by any of these examples, just know that first and foremost, um, I'm mentioning them because they are personal examples. (laughs) And um, if it's feeling like a little bit of a call out, that's okay. That's okay. Um, Stay with me right? I am on your side because I I am you. Like this is also me. There's no judgment here, right? These are not bad things. We're not bad for doing this stuff. It's just that you, as you may have experienced, as I've certainly experienced, um, these things don't necessarily lead to the desired result, right? So, um, you know, eating all those chips kept me distracted and soothed in the moment, right? Short term, like, short-term distraction, short-term like soothing of whatever was stressing me out in that moment. But that action didn't actually resolve the stress or emotion, right? And I I wouldn't really feel so hot after, strangely, after downing an entire, well, I don't think I've actually downed an entire Costco bag of potato chips. Uh, that, That would, I don't know that I've achieved that as a personal best, but um, definitely way more than the suggested serving, taking on that troublesome client for the money, right? Um, Often led to a plummeting hourly rate as the extra effort and time needed to keep that client satisfied far outweighed the original fee quoted, right? And then that third example, passively waiting for the answer as opportunities pass me by meant that I never had the chance to try something and discover whether or not it was working, right? Now, I I am not saying don't meditate and pray. That is actually like, those are daily practices of mine. I highly recommend. But what I'm talking about is the pattern of hoping and waiting for an answer versus praying and moving your feet. We get into these habits of, you know, being out of the body more in our heads, not just because we're in this paradigm, right? You know, I also want to speak to, for some of us, for many of us, um, we may have learned to step out of the body or detach from the body because of a traumatic experience, because of like, you know, shutting down, um, disconnecting to just as a, as a protection, right? So I want to honor that as well. Like that's totally valid. Um, and What happens, and this is a part of my story too, is, um, you know, once upon a time, yeah, my ability to leave my body protected me during traumatic events. But when I was no longer in imminent danger, those signals and leaving the body became less and less helpful, right? In each of these examples, your body is sending signals and messages in the form of sensations, maybe a sensation of fullness with the potato chips or emotions like, oh, like I'm just feeling kind of frenetic and like, you know, like um, anxious, right? Um, It took me a while to pay attention and understand the messages because I would get too caught up in the emotions themselves and the feeling themselves. and, And rather than allowing them to play their course, I would... I would distract. I would hop out of the body. I would do anything but be present with those feelings, right? 
be present in the body. Now that I've learned how to recognize when I'm doing those things, I recognize I, I when I'm starting to feel ungrounded, when I'm starting to feel um, in my head, spinning or untethered, kind of floaty, um, I recognize it as my knee-jerk reaction to avoid being present. And it's often driven by fear, right? And, um, you know, we're once upon a time, maybe that fear was, and sometimes it is like legitimate, right? But most of the time, the fear is actually something where our, our physical um, safety is not at risk, right? Um, fear of being judged, fear of being visible, fear of failing, fear of succeeding, right? That's a good one. And that's okay too. That's the ego trying to protect us. We've all felt that desire to be somewhere else, like anywhere but here, right? So this kind of desire to be out in the ether, right? Kind of like looping back to what I was talking about before, um, eschewing the body for, um, you know, that blissful communion with all that is, right? Um, we've touched the infinite through these esoteric practices, and we just want to stay up there right? Except this moment that we're experiencing right now on the planet, this awakening, this is an opportunity to create that blissful expansiveness right here, right now. What some people call moving into four or 5D. That transformation has everything to do with not going out there, but in here, in the body. Ascension is a bit of a misnomer. We're not going up and out. We're going inside our own infinite selves, remembering, re-putting ourselves together, our connection with our bodies, owning, reclaiming all parts of ourselves and reclaiming our connection with the earth, with all that is through this divine channel, right? We're connected to all that is through this brilliant wise body. Our bodies are not accidents. Your body is not an unhelpful detail to be overcome as part of being three-dimensional. On the contrary, infusing the body with spirit, understanding its expression of your ancient soul is actually the path to enlightenment. You know, if that's, if that's something you want. <laughs> Connecting with the body allows us to reassure the ego soothe the nervous system, calmly witness the fear or avoidance or denial and take action anyway. Be here anyway. Be truly present and make decisions that follow what we truly desire, what's truly in alignment with us, right? And to co-create a reality that can be blissful right here and now. It flies in the face of everything we've been taught in this dying paradigm, that our own pleasure is not important, selfish, that sacrifice is the foundation of service. When the reality is, how much more can we serve from a full or overflowing cup than a depleted or empty one? It's, it's about connecting with our pleasure, connecting with all of who we are, letting that guide us, right? Once upon a time, my emotions ruled my reactions. My emotions were my reality. I couldn't distinguish between the feelings and what they were conveying. And don't get me wrong. I still feel the feelings. I am not saying don't equilibrium does not mean not feeling the feelings. It actually means 
feeling the feelings instead of trying to avoid the feelings, escape the feelings, decline, (laughs) deny the feelings, right? The feelings are, and the sensations, like those are the messages from the body. So instead of being caught up in them and marionetted by them, I'm able to truly witness the feeling arise, allow its passage through my body and let the healing happen. Let the guidance come through, right? Behind every difficult emotion that we want to avoid, there is a piece of wisdom. There is a learning. There is a something, you know, let the clear guidance emerge. For example, what grief needed to express, right? What boundary needs to be reasserted? What needs to be communicated in a relationship? This is just some examples, right? Feelings, including feelings of disembodiedness, are the messengers. What do they want to tell you? It's all kinds of feelings, not just the less pleasant ones, right? Pleasurable feelings of joy, expansiveness, and ease bring their own messages. More of this, please. Yes, please. (laughs) You're on the right path. Or keep going. Yeah. What I've been talking about is the foundation of my own groundedness. This is the kind of like the, the theoretical underpinnings, right? My ability to integrate tough as well as fun experiences to create a life of joy, spaciousness, and service to the highest good for all. And because I'm all about not just the woo, but the pragmatic woo, I can't leave this topic without giving you some tools to ground in your beautiful body. Um, a tool in particular. There are so many, so I'll focus on just one. My One of my top fave breathing hacks to ground and calm quickly. Exhale. All the way. <sighs> Everyone has heard the directive, breathe, just breathe. If, however, you're in an activated moment where your breathing is shallow or your nervous system is on high alert, this piece of advice can feel, not going to lie, super irritating, right? Like, I am breathing stupid. (laughs) Maybe just a million times faster than is helpful. Or we may be unconsciously holding our breath. So just breathe feels like trying to add more air on top of what's already in your lungs. So this is a handy trick I learned as I dealt with my own anxiety. Exhale or breathe out all the way (sighs) through your nose or mouth. But I like breathing out through my mouth for this. There's something particularly cleansing about breathing out through your mouth. Exhale fully like you're wringing the air out of your lungs. Really squeeze all the way down your rib cage and your abdomen too as if you're a nearly empty toothpaste tube and you have one job and one job only to squeeze that last bit out. Don't be afraid to get noisy. Push the air out. Once you've exhaled completely, hold still right there for a moment. Then another moment. You'll notice a desire to inhale shows up pretty quickly. When it feels good, stop squeezing, right? Stop holding and allow your lungs to fill back up with air. Note, this is not a hold your breath as long as you can exercise. This is an exhale all the breath out exercise. The inhale or breathing in is instinctive. The body naturally does it. You don't even have to try. Try this a couple more times. Notice how your breath deepens almost immediately. 
Sometimes when we try to tune in with the breath or just breathe, we can fall into trying to control it, trying to take the biggest, deepest breath we can. When instead we focus on exhaling, the in-breath follows naturally, allowing us to relinquish control and just breathe. Exhale, get out of your head and into your body. From my heart to yours, I love you. Take what you need and pass it on. Thanks for joining me on Wise Body, Ancient Soul. I hope it reminds you how magical and powerful you truly are. Kindly subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so more juicy light bringers like you can hear these transmissions. And if you're looking to connect more deeply with your body and soul's wisdom, visit cherisisu.com to learn how else we can play together. Here's to your joy and wild success. From my heart to yours, I love you. Take what you need and pass it on. Thank you.